This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. If we don't have enough rapid tests, we shouldn't be allocating the only ones we have to prioritize student athletes playing in games. We should cancel the games and allocate those rapid tests to making sure that kids can come to school. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So for today's essential question, if society believes that having students attend in-person schooling is so critical, why didn't they do anything to make it safe and sustainable? Before we, a, before we, oh, go ahead, Hope. That's a great question. No, Thank great question. Yeah, it's question. a, it's a great, great question. question. Um, and before we jump into this very needed conversation, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is brought to you by the power of imagination. The highly contagious Omicron variant is raging, and there's no more political will for the return of statewide shutdowns. But have no fear, essential school staff. Your district has you covered, literally, with N95 and KN95 masks that they are legally required to provide for your protection. What's that? There's a shortage of masks. People are hoarding the ones they can find, and fabric masks are inadequate. Well, at least you can count on rapid testing to give you quick information and peace of mind. What's that? There's a shortage of rapid tests. People are hoarding the ones they can find, and the reliability of some rapid tests is highly questionable. Don't panic. Just go to one of your friendly neighborhood testing sites. What's that? Appointments aren't available. Folks are waiting in three-hour-long lines for sites they can find that haven't been shut down. And labs are so backlogged that accurate results aren't available for several days. It'll be all right. Simply use sick leave to do your recently reduced five-day quarantine. What's that? You exhausted your sick leave from previous quarantines? Your employer won't let you share leave even when your coworkers can give you theirs? And you can't sacrifice your pay in order to care for yourself? It's time to activate the power of imagination. Manifest yourself a mask by putting good vibes into the universe. Call on the wisdom of your highest self to cultivate a pile of rapid tests. Harmonize with the wind and sea and some rose quartz to call forth appointments and adequate sick leave. Mercilessly hex all those with falsified vaccine exemptions, spineless and hypocritical politicians who are currently working from home, and anyone who tries to tell you that this is fine, perfectly fine, and nothing is wrong. The power of imagination, because you're used to doing your job without necessary supplies, so just pretend. So what really resonated me with me from our sponsor is just mm -hmm. the idea of imagination. Imagination. Just imagine that we're living in a world that, you know, is taking a global pandemic seriously. 
you know, the song right now. (laughs) Doug's going to rewrite that for us. Imagine there's no COVID. I mean, it's really hard to do anymore. So I think uh, (laughs) um, part of the conversation today, I mean, there's a lot of context I think we need to lay out in just in terms of making sure it's at the forefront of the conversation today, or it's at the forefront of like, oh, by the way, these are are some of the conditions in which Mm -hmm. we're working in, in which we're having this conversation in. So this, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is this fall, we were given the gift of Delta, and then we were given the gift of Omicron. What a gift, you know, what a treasure. that keeps on giving. Just a treasure keeps on giving, keeps on spreading. And it's funny because the stuff that I've read, you know, Delta was more or is more um, dangerous in many ways. But on the other hand, Omicron is much more contagious. And so we right. have this kind of tension that is happening with with these two variants, right? And right. then of course, like vaccination and the reaction to each one. And it's, it's all still quite new anyway. And so right. like, we don't really know the effectiveness of all these things. And we mm-hmm. got boosters on boosters, you know, all these things are going on. Okay. So we yeah. got this happening with the fall. Um, we have schools that started back up in person in the fall. And And then we had winter break where winter break, we have the context of Delta hitting people pretty hard and Omicron hitting people even harder. Mm -hmm. And then last week was the first week back of school for most schools across the country. Right. So we're recording this episode on January 9th. Yeah. And so most places have started back already. Um, Add to that in Washington state, we had a massive winter storm. I mean, the numbers around like snowfall across the state and just like messed up driveways, all this stuff added an extra layer for school districts. I mean, if you think about um, the surge in COVID plus the weather, um, plus we already had a a shortage when it comes to teacher, you know, teachers leaving the profession, other staff that have left the profession. We haven't even, we haven't, we're going to dig into that a little bit more today, Mm -hmm. but that's also part of the context. And actually that stuff happened during, you know, in the last couple of years anyway, we've had, you know, these teacher shortages that have occurred really to me, all of these factors are, we need to think about all these factors if we want to try to understand what's happening and then like Mm -hmm. understand what we should do next, could do next, or really how to support people through this kind, this time of trauma. Right. Right. Um, Anything else in terms of context that you're thinking about? Oh, no, I think that you you laid it out pretty perfectly. I think um, just to add on to the implications of having a huge winter storm hit for half of winter break is that um, being kind of stuck in your home, right? Like as um, as students and as teachers and staff is challenging, right? Like there wasn't that... Um, sort of recharge that traditionally happens over winter break in the same way. There was quite a bit of stress. Um, You know, I had many of my students come back and that was what they talked about was like, ugh, being stuck in my room, you know, being stuck in my house. It felt very like, I'm sure, very reminiscent of like the first quarantine for Mm -hmm. a lot of students. Um, For a lot of students, that was like, very traumatic for a lot of different reasons. Um, And so just the mental fatigue that comes about from not having the normal traditional recharge of a winter break, like Mm -hmm. that was really, that was very real for a lot of people in the school system. Mm -hmm. 
And I think for folks who are less plugged into the school system or don't have kids who are actively in our school age, yeah. you know, one of the things around weather conditions is it's not just that simple to, to shut down or there's, you know, there's always complaints about when a school district calls it to say no school the next day, or we're going to have a half day and so on. And just as a reminder, you do have to make up those days. Like, of course, a governor can call an emergency and say, hey, we don't have to make up those days. But there's a, there's rules around how many days of school you have to have. So right. if you have a late start day or you have half day that actually you still have met the requirements. And so a lot of people, you know, are like, let's, let's go to school anyway, so we don't have to make it up in July, you know, when it's actually like more meaningless, right? So a lot of people will push that. The other thing I think people sometimes forget is like with weather changes, it impacts busing. And so many of our students in public schools rely on buses. And those buses have to climb up roads and slide down other roads. Um, And one of the things I was talking about with my parents over the break actually was the fact that back in their time, um, I think one, people didn't rely on busing as much, but two, their buses had chains. And so they remember like their, you know, their buses being chained up and then like going down the street was like no big deal. And so I think there's also that. Plus, I think we're looking at, you know, climate change, global warming, there's more snow, there's more ice, you know, those kinds of factors. And so all those things um, also impact student absences and teacher impact, teacher absences just alone put COVID to the side, you already have those factors for why someone can't make it to school, right? They can't walk down the street, slip down, you know, slip on their way to school, yeah. or they can't drive in, or they can't take the bus in or whatever the case may be. So well, yeah, just kind of thinking was, about those, par- those parts as well. Yeah, it was. Um, so we had in Tacoma, we had a two hour late start on Monday due to the ice. Um, and then truly should have had a two hour late start on Tuesday, because Tuesday was actually far yeah. worse than Monday was. Um, which meant that, yeah, we had even more students and staff out on Tuesday due to weather, but also on top of that, um, COVID and yeah, so there's a lot of, there was, it was like almost a perfect storm of situations this past week, um, in the school systems across Washington that made it so, um, it was, what felt like the longest school week of the school year so far for I every single teacher that I spoke with, yeah. uh, as well as students. And so I think that what this episode, that's just context for this episode, right? But what what I am really wanting to talk about and focus on is there's a lot of things that we can't control year to year in a school system, right? We can't control the weather. We can't control whether it's going to have a snowstorm or, or whatnot. We can't control those things. We can react to those things. Sure. But the, the underlying current of all of this is like the lack of action or what feels to be the lack of action regarding a global pandemic on top of all of this, right? So, um, separating those two things and really saying, but like, why aren't we doing more to, to mitigate the impacts of COVID right now in our school systems? Well, if you think about the fact that we've had two years to kind of sort through some of this ish and the things that are still happening, it's like we're right. back at, at square one. What is the phrase, right? We're like yeah. back, back at the beginning. And it's funny because, you know, people think, well, like under the Biden administration, like things would be fine. He had all these like plans to do. But really, besides like some fancy websites and some more tents around, you still have a lack of testing, a lack of will to make vaccines required. There's still access to vaccines because of people's mind and culture and heart. You haven't changed to get access to the vaccines. I mean, yes, you can get them more easily, right? But there's still some of these barriers that are in place. So things I question about how 
much things have really improved or changed in that sense. And that's, I mean, that's pretty dire. So I, I know we try to like balance the, the realness in the show with also like hope and solutions, but the reality <laughs> of that is like, I'm not going to swear, but it's, it's pretty, pretty damn dire in that sense. Yeah. Um, so help us picture what this week was like for you coming back to school. I, I'd love Megan, if you could just walk us through like yeah. Monday, right? It's a half day or sorry, too late, uh, late start day, two hours, right? Two, two hours, late start. Two hours. Yeah. Usually that's, there's a lot of excitement because like snow day and then coming off a holiday, people, some people really want to get back. Some people really don't want to get back. Now you've added in, people are sick. People are like trying to get in. They're trying to get out of their rooms. You were talking about a little bit earlier. Like right. what was Monday? What, what was like the vibe on Monday? And like, what did your day look like on Monday? Well, because of the two hour delay due to weather, um, class periods were 35 minutes long. Um, I, I think Monday... It's always hard, right? Coming back from a break. You always kind of are like, oh, students are going to be a little bit like wonky. You always anticipate that. Um, there were there were much higher levels of anxiety on Monday mm -hmm. than, than normally coming back. Like usually students are like, oh, I was ready to come back or... Or actually, you, what you hear is like, oh, that could have been much longer. Um, yeah. And we had a healthy mix of students that were like, no, I needed to come back to school, right? Like I needed to get out of my house because I was stuck in my house. And other students were like, why are we open? Like, why are we doing this? I don't understand. Um, and a lot of frustration there. Um, I would say throughout the staff, um, there were definitely higher levels of anxiety um, just about everything. Um, and, you know, you say back to square one of it feels like we're going back to square one. I, I wish that we were going back to square one right now. I feel like I am living in like this dystopian universe mm -hmm. where like nobody cares. Like the people in power, the people that are making decisions, like nobody is reacting to the reality that we're in. Um and so Monday just felt kind of, I, I think that the reality hadn't set in yet on Monday. But so Tuesday, were you able to teach all of your classes on Monday? Like you taught all your classes in a row? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, 35 minutes. Did but you yeah. have planning period that day? I did have my planning period that day. Awesome. Yeah. We'll get into that later if you're, yeah. people are wondering why mm -hmm. I'm asking her this. Um, how many of your students, like what kind of absences was like normal absent rate or would you say? Was I would say maybe a little rate? bit higher. I would say that I was, I was operating at about 80% capacity yeah. on Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say like more, a little, a, a few more absences than normal, but, um, I had heard from a handful of my students, um, on Sunday. And then that morning of emails like, Hey, can't come in. I've been exposed. Somebody in my family has COVID. I can't be there. Tuesday started when, getting emails about COVID coming yeah. through. Oh, that yeah. They're not just missing out because of the weather. Oh yeah. But, no. I'm receiving emails from students saying like, I'm not going to be able to be in school. Um, Tuesday's when it really hit. Like Tuesday you came in and it was, it was a different feeling. The anxiety of getting to school was intense. Um, More ice. Yeah. Right. The ice was in the black ice was intense. There were accidents everywhere, but then also the absences of staff was much higher. Um, we, I had received uh, several more emails from students Monday evening saying somebody in my family has tested positive for COVID or I have tested positive for COVID. I won't be in. Um, I think Were that any of those kids point, who had been there the day before? 
Oh, uh, like, yeah. 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 Because I was going to say that adds to the anxiety. If you're like, cool, I saw you yesterday. It's not yeah, like yeah, they've yeah. been gone for the break and then they got COVID and you're like, I feel bad. It's like, I saw them yesterday. So now you've got like contact tracing issues, can I, yeah, which can we I already be, know are a dumpster can fire. Can I be honest? America. There is no contact tracing happening, yeah. by the way, anymore. Like there's no contact tracing happening, in my opinion, in, in a meaningful way. What's wild is that I have reached a place where those, like those things are like, oh, they were in my classroom yesterday. That doesn't phase me anymore. Yeah. Because I know that there is COVID in my classroom. Like 100%, there is not a doubt in my mind that there is COVID in my classroom. And right. I think that that's what people don't, that's what I, I want the, pe- like the public to understand is that the general feeling in the schools right now is not, is there COVID in my classroom? It is, we all know that it is in our classroom. 100% it is there, right? Like there is no doubt in my mind, all the teachers know that there's COVID in our classrooms. All of us know that it is in our school. We all are aware and we know like there is no like closing. If, here's what I'll say. But doesn't that make you feel better, though? Because you just accepted the truth, right? I mean, like, honestly, you can just be like a lot of folks out in the red part of the state or the country who are like, Mm -hmm. we know it exists. It's kind of like a cold. (laughs) You're just going to have it. You're going to spread it to a few people. If you just accepted it, it's fine. Like, it's your paranoia about it. I think that's causing the problem, isn't it? No. Right? It's the masks that's causing the problems. Isn't that really the the rage that it creates in me? Um, like, I guess, I mean, telling every, so like I was, I didn't sleep this week. I think I was getting three to four hours of sleep every night because of the anxiety and the stress and the worry. I know that for many of my, um, like coworkers, it was the same thing. They weren't sleeping. Um, like I, I know that, um, you know, I, I know of a couple of my friends who really struggled with their anxiety this week in terms of being able to teach because of it. Um, it, it, I, I can't, it's hard to explain the feeling in schools right now that there is a feeling of helplessness and Mm -hmm. then add on top of that, um, you know, by Wednesday we had, I probably 20 staff out. We had, we were running at probably 50%, 60% of students being in the building. So 40 to 50% of students were out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, teachers are having to give up their plannings to cover classes because there's not enough subs to cover. So I think it was, we had on Thursday, 21, 22 staff out um, 10 or 11 of those staff didn't have any sub coverage. Yeah. Um, so who's covering when a staff member's out and there's no sub? What's that look like? Other teachers are right. So you give up Mm -hmm. your planning to go cover for another teacher and, and there's not sub plans. And so you're like, you have this class of students who you're just kind of babysitting the Petri dish. They're sitting doing nothing. That's the name of this episode. Babysitting the Petri dish. Petri dish. Oh my God. That's it babysitting the petri dish so i and i i really want to be very clear like it, you know you go and you cover there's no sub plans so um and that's and i want to be very clear that's not to the fault of the teacher so you're basically you were teaching calculus this week you taught strings like, listen or you no, some you drama say, you go in and you say we need 
we need this space to be safe, bottom line. And this is not critical of teachers that are out, Mm -mm. right? This is absolutely not. not, And I want to be very clear about that. That like, this is 100% not me being critical of the teachers that are out. Um, and me saying they didn't leave sub plans. No, like it is a shit show right now. Yeah, yeah. Like there is no rhyme or reason. And so teachers that are covering during their planning, they're, you don't get enough planning time anyways. And so you're having to give up your planning because we're open for some God awful reason, even though we're having the largest outbreak uh, in the pandemic's history in Washington state right now. So we'll come back to that. But I think one thing to think about, folks, as you're <laughs> listening, is this is not just Megan's situation at Lincoln, right? Yeah. So a couple of things, um, if you have any teacher educator friends or you're on the internet, you probably have seen, hopefully you've seen, these accounts are not, they're not fabricated. Like this is a consistent thing that's happening across. So a couple of things, um, when I was reading some other folks, like a couple of the middle schools in Tacoma, one of them posted that they had 30% student absences and about seven staff staff absent at the start of the week. Um, another middle school, 25 to 30% were out, most probably just quarantining. Yeah. Um, another school, I think it's an elementary school, we have five certs out. That's not very, that's not that many, right? But one or two paraeducators out. So start thinking about other staff. Mm-hmm. We have several specialists and office staff out. Okay, now we're going into the other fields, right? Um, yep. A total of about 12. There are absolutely no subs. The assistant principals and the principals are taking the classes. Someone else in another elementary post, um, it's not our assistant principal taking it, but our coaches. So some people know that there are these positions like instructional coaches. They like help teachers, you know, create better lessons. Oh, and, yeah. And things, right. They're covering classes as well. Um, another yeah, ele- our instructional another coach, school. our instructional coach has been covering yeah. classes. Yeah. Another elementary school in Tacoma, over 25% of classrooms are out today and over half of the assistants. So the assistants might cover for the head teacher, right? But if they're all out, there's no coverage in there. All the specialists are canceled. Classes are collapsing. Um, When I say collapsing, they move them together, right? So sometimes they'll be able to do that and put the people in a room, but the numbers are crazy. Um, There's, so these stories, again, are, are just continuing on and on. There was another story out of Arizona about a school that's there. So the classes, there's so many people that have called in sick. Um, Somebody had, there was not enough food service workers or bus drivers. So even if the students wanted to come to school or could or were healthy enough in the staff, there was not other staff to support them. And your schools, you know, are supposed to be providing those services. Um, I know we've seen some other nightmare stories. Megan, any other stories kind of thinking about the framing of this across the country? I I think... In other areas, um, the solution is putting all the students that don't have teachers into the auditorium, right? And so they're just all sitting in the auditorium. Um, One of my favorite things is that Reddit post, right? Yeah, the Reddit post of that kid who was like, this is what you're fighting for. Everybody that's saying kids need to be in school. Like I sat in an auditorium doing nothing all day. So this kid in New York's public schools wrote this whole thing on Reddit and it's kind of made its rounds a little bit in the last week or so because the mayor is like hardcore and I made a note in our show notes like he is smoking something, man. He, he There's this quote where he says, I'm so excited to open our schools. We want to be extremely clear that the safest place for our children is a school building. And I'm like, first of all, that's super disrespectful to families and communities. Yeah. And second of all, that's total bullshit. Like even what take are you away, even, even take COVID, about? Even take COVID away, that's not true. <laughs> 
what are you even talking about, bro? Anyway, so this kid, this high school kid wrote this whole piece. And it's funny because he outlines the day, you know, from class to class. And so he spent like half the day, I'll, I'll link to it. So he spent like half the day basically kicking it in the auditorium. Now, the crazy thing is that there's, maybe it's crazy to me because it's not familiar, right? Like that their school, their teachers pass out rapid tests. And when I read that line, I immediately thought, what? They have enough rapid tests to pass out? Because in Washington, yeah, there's like wild. a rapid test crisis, right? <laughs> so he's getting going to different classes and getting tested. And like in the auditorium, a kid gets tested positive and the whole room loses their mind and like tries to run away from the kid. Like I just, all the chaos on the chaos. And so he's, he's like, and to be clear, I, I really appreciate the kid is very deliberate about saying like, everyone is trying their best. All, this is not a fault of the teachers, teachers, not yeah. a fault of like the school. Like I love my community. I love my school. I love my, you know, colleagues or whatever my, you know, my peers here. It's this, you know, it's bigger than that. Right. And we shouldn't be in yeah. person. And part of his argument, he, and maybe we can kind of shift to that here or take a quick break and then shift to it. He's like, online and remote learning was detrimental for like my mental health and my social, whatever, da, 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 da. He's like, but this is not it. Yeah. Like this is not, the solution isn't forcing kids to sit in an auditorium and take COVID <laughs> rapid tests like every period yeah, to find out they got COVID yet. Yes. And I think that, um, that's what I, and I, I went on a bit of a, like, I um, <laughs> maybe blacked out and started ranting earlier about what was happening in the schools um, because of the range. <laughs> um, I think I want people that are not in schools to have a clear idea of what school looks like right now. And I, I just, to be very clear, this is what schools look like right now. It is on, so by Friday, I had 50% of my students in my classes. I think I had 10 students in my second period. Um, teachers are exhausted because they're not getting their planning periods. There's not enough staff. You said it's not just about teachers. It's like, what happens when your security guards are out? What happens when admin are out? What happens when food services and bus drivers are out? Like, all of that matters. Um, and so just getting a clear idea of like, this is what you're fi we're fighting for. If you, to keep schools open, this is what we're fighting for. And so if it's so important, going back to our essential question, if having students in school are so important, like why are we not doing something to make it sustainable, to make it work, right? Like why are we not doing the things that we know work? Um, to make sure that student and staff are safe. So that's a perfect spot to take a quick break. Hello, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Microsoft. You may know Microsoft for the software on your desktop, but did you know that Microsoft is also committed to addressing the lack of affordable housing in our region? With rapid growth in the Puget Sound, Microsoft understands that our community needs to build more housing that is affordable for people who work here, particularly low- and middle-income households. Microsoft has helped to create or preserve more than 8,000 housing units by working with community partners like the Washington State Housing Finance Commission, the Evergreen Impact Housing Fund, and the King County Housing Authority. They have awarded grants to individual housing projects and provided financing to accelerate housing development. Together, these investments will deliver more low- and middle-income housing to our region and attract affordable housing opportunities in the future. Because everyone in our community, regardless of income level, should have a place they can afford to call home. To learn more about Microsoft's work in this area, 
visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. My thanks to Microsoft for their support of Channel 253. So, Megan, I mean, with all that in mind, I'm really curious what your reaction to um, this phrase that I've seen posted in lots of places and people kind of have thrown out there. Closing schools won't stop COVID and it's only going to hurt the kids. Oh, my gosh. What BS. So (laughs) I just I. Come on, first Megan, of though. All, I mean, you first of, early, everyone in your class has COVID. Isn't that what you said? So it's fine. Like, just, you know. So first of all, I immunity. just have to say, the fact that we are almost two years into this god-awful pandemic, and we still have grown adults that are of the opinion that schools are, like, these separate things that don't impact the rest of the community. Yeah, well, like blows my mind. Like the reason schools closed in the beginning, sure to keep kids safe, but really it's because like they're cesspools of germs mm-hmm. for the entire community. Like those kids don't just like go to school and then go home and don't go anywhere else in the world, folks. Like schools are super spreader areas, right? And so like the idea that like it only impacts the kids. And so like, it's not, it's only going to hurt the kids. They're not going to die from it. Yada, yada, yada. Like, it's just some BS. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just, and then I also want to tackle that dichotomy of like school good, no school bad. When we know that like, that's not the case, <laughs> like the, that's not like, it's not a black and white issue. Like schools can be bad for kids. Yes. Like, environments yeah. in schools can be bad for kids. Yep. And so if yeah. you want kids to be in schools, I want kids to be in good schools. Like yes. I want kids yeah. to be going and receiving quality education. Like, yeah. so how, what can you do just sending kids into a building that we call school doesn't ensure that they're receiving a quality education or a good education. And so why aren't we doing the things that we need mm -hmm, to do to make mm -hmm. sure that yes, we're keeping kids in school, but also that we're doing the things necessary for them to receive quality education in that Mm -hmm. school throughout a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely ignoring. And I, I think this is something I've been thinking a lot about with leaders and with politicians, that school building is a symbol for them, right? Yes. So they're like, well, it's open. Physically, it's open, which by the way, don't get me started on the fact that remote learning is not even about like, that is still school. Schools aren't closed when you're doing remote learning. Like yes. that's not, that's not what's happening. Uh, you're, you can still learn and you can still not learn in any condition. Like you, you said, right. It's not about the building, but I think politicians and leaders have really like held onto that as a symbol. Right. And Absolutely. so we can, I mean, we can get in a little bit about like thresholds and where did that go out the window? But one of the things that kind of set me off again, back to the sweet mayor in New York, um, Mr. Adams, there's this great line, which, which ties in here. And I I think it's this, he says that remote learning has been disastrous for too many of the city's nearly 1 million school children in the nation's largest school district. And it had been particularly harmful for children in low income neighborhoods and homeless students. Yeah, that's true. Yes, it was. That's very true. 
but guess what? We are two years in. You're telling me you haven't done diddly squat to like try to maybe how about remedy some of the homeless situation in your city? Uh, you have not done anything to like maybe get some Wi-Fi access for some of your students that don't necessarily have. Oh, you've done none of those things. And so you're saying it's this disastrous thing that the way that that's written and, you know, maybe you didn't say this is the way I don't know. But the way that that's written, I think it reflects so many people's thinking is like, we're, we can't go back to that. So we're just going to do this shit-tastic thing. What? Yes. Yeah. It's, you didn't do, what have you been doing for two years? What have people? you been doing? You, you had an opportunity to reimagine, to do something different, to like, you know, we got partnerships with companies. We've got folks like trying to like change their policies. We've got companies who like n- now allow people to work remotely at home. People realize I could have sent it in an email instead of in a meeting in person, you know, like, all of these other industries, yeah. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but there's a lot of industries that have adapted, that have learned to like adjust things, you know, to do some workarounds, but this ain't one. This is not one. And I think, um, I, I want to go back. <laughs> I'm thinking back to the first couple episodes that we've recorded about this, like the, the intersection of the pandemic and education. Yeah. Um, and something that I said then, and I mean still today, like, Bring that same energy of your concern for marginalized communities and students of color and low-income students and how like sure remote learning, it disproportionately impacted them, but also like bring that same energy in education reform then. Like how about you actually care about the quality of education that students that are marginalized are receiving? Because once again, we, we have, it's like dissolved to this, this narrative of not being in school bad being in a school building good and and I just it's not it's not that right like you can do remote learning well yeah right you can do hybrid learning well you can do in-person in-building learning well but guess what you can also do remote learning shitty and you can also do in-building learning shitty and historically for the history of this country it's been pretty crappy in building <laughs> learning yeah. for a lot of like students of color and yeah. low-income students in this in this country and not a single person that is like we need students in schools regardless no matter what y'all didn't care yeah yeah. When those students were receiving yeah. really crappy in building exactly. exactly. Yeah. Suddenly you're like on this equity high horse. Like you didn't give a rat's booty. <laughs> you previously. didn't give a rat's booty. <laughs> what? Like it's you so don't preposterous. Get to, that's why I'm laughing. Yeah, so that's Doug. Shame read that shame exactly. Bell. That read shame bell, loud, man. Doug. Like Dude. I just let's go look at your voting records, all you politicians that mm. are fighting for kids to be mm. in a school building, mm. and let's look at all of the freaking yeah. times that you could have voted to increase education funding and you didn't. Like, do yeah. not tell me that you care about the education of children when the your voting record proves that you don't. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. not about children yeah. receiving quality education. This is about capitalism and making sure that adults can go to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's which leads really nicely into what the CDC has recommended. <laughs> right? Like it's just it's all if 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 the general public is not realizing that the decisions that are currently being made right yeah. now are being motivated by capitalism and being motivated by the workforce. Like, I don't, 
I don't know what to say. Like it mm-hmm. is so abundantly clear that the mm-hmm. CDC is now giving regulations of, well, listen, now instead of 10 days, it can be five days if you have COVID. But if you have staff shortages, if you have staff shortages, you know, teachers and, and medical staff can go to work if they yeah. have COVID, if their symptoms yeah. aren't that big. Yeah. Where was the state where like the nurses are, it's like, fine, you just wear two masks and then yes. you work in the COVID section. What, I just was reading that. I wish I, yes. I should have written it down. Um, uh, it's like my sister. So my sister who yeah. is a nurse, she's been like, she's outraged by it. It's like, yeah. nobody cares about my safety. Yeah. Like yeah. even if, even if COVID is only as, is as bad as a, even if COVID was only a flu, which I don't believe it is personally, um, even even if if someone is that sick and if someone is coughing up a storm, you don't have them come to work. Yeah. Everybody's like, you're gross. Go home. We'll go figure home. it out. And certainly, of course, shortages change that. But you're right. It is, it's all about the capitalism in that sense. I mean, one of the things. Um, so, go ahead. I just, I just want to say that you said, like, I don't believe that it's as bad as the flu. I just want to say, like, <laughs> I want to clarify. Data tells us it's not. It's worse than the flu. Right. Like, I, I also think that we have this thing. But like, Megan, uh, I beliefs, mean, with all these boosters, like, right, really like our beliefs around because like, take COVID. a flu shot. So, yeah, like, like, mm. like, I just want to be really clear. That's not a like, it's not an opinion nor belief. And I think that we are being tricked into thinking that it is like it's up for debate. It's, in my opinion, not up for debate. Right. Data. Yo, don't data get me started about the things us. I've, I, um, like, was, I went on a Twitter thread today, like, um, or, you know, wrote, wrote one basically like I, I was only home over winter break for like 20 days or 17 days. I forget how many we counted. Um, but during that time, like there was a lot of stuff I'm like, oh yeah, I know this is happening. I was happening. But some of the things that were just like highlighted to me about certain things. And one of them, the fact is nobody cares about science. I mean, I already knew that, but I'm, yeah. I'm in this case in particular, people are driven by, by their emotions. And I, I it's, like I'm driven by that too. Like it is really tough yeah. to say like, Hey guys, we should c- cancel Christmas because we don't have rapid tests and we all can't take them and make sure we're fine. When half the people don't believe in rapid tests and don't believe in testing because don't ask, don't tell, and it's fine. It, and then the other half like do care. Right. And so, and that leads to a lot of tension and that's really hard. Right. That's super, super hard. And so I think especially the holidays really I wasn't in the States during holidays last year for this time. And so maybe that, you know, it was probably the same then as well, yeah. right? We do have more hope with vaccines, I think, but maybe that lulls people into a false sense of security. Yeah. Right. As I well. Think, so I kind of wonder around that a little bit. Right. And I think that a lot of the public takes the cues from the policies sure. that are happening or things that are happening. And so because things aren't being canceled all of a sudden yeah. or like officially canceled, they're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. The situation isn't as dire. Yeah. Um, like I'm going to say and, something. And people don't that believe is, the science. Like they want to believe what they're going to believe. Yes. It doesn't matter what Fauci says. It doesn't matter yes. what science says. It doesn't matter yes. what logic says. Logic is out the window when I want to throw, have my wedding, right? Yeah. Logic is out the window when I'm going to go, you know, visit my daughter's new baby, right? Like yeah. that's what matters. And I mean, you can't blame people and it's also, but it's also why there's, I think such a big disconnect, um, around that. And I'm going to say something that is some people might feel is controversial. Oh, okay. Um, like the fact that we are having high school sports. <laughs> still but you guys test all the time. Okay. So thank you for bringing that up. So yeah. they do. Yeah. Our ath- student athletes receive yeah. rapid tests from the school. 
multiple times a week. Yeah. Those, the school only has tests for student athletes. Yeah. Students who just want to come back and need a negative test do not get access to those mm-hmm. tests. Teachers mm-hmm. do not get access to those tests. So we are prioritizing mm-hmm. sports. sports. All and sports athletics. matter, Megan. All sports Which, matter. By the way, I and they matter I more super, than academics. So are you a sports hater? Do you not I like know. football? Do you not like fun, Megan? Is that what I'm hearing? I like, and I want to be clear. I was a student, a very serious student athlete, right? Like an injury ended my Notice the adjective. You were serious. You had to throw in there just like, in case you questioned it. Because I think that I think that I think that high school sports are more than just fun. Right. I do. I I genuinely believe in the value of of athletics. I genuinely believe that for a lot of students, it is why they come to school. Right. I think that for a lot of students, it's why they try in school. Right. I, I think that that there creates a lot of opportunities for students beyond high school. I I think that there is absolute value in high school athletics. And I think that it really harms students to not have that. I think that they are less important (laughs) than actual education. (laughs) Like, I think that, like, I just, it blows my, and that's what I mean. Like, it's business as usual. And I think that all of the teachers are like, we have 50% of our student body out because of COVID right now. And yet there was still a basketball game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but this is the thing I think about when I, when, so thinking about that and then thinking about, is it feasible to say, that's a, that's a great, to me, that's actually a great solution, right? If you want to play sports and I, and honestly, I think when we're ever at a point of like, is COVID done or whatever next iteration, like, okay, let's go to four years from now, three years from now, what does the new world look like? Yeah. And is the new world, everybody has rapid tests and you take a rapid test before you go to your family event. You take yeah. a rapid test if you're going to play, like maybe that is, I don't know. I don't know. But like, I, and I'm fine with that. If you're going to say that that's what the system is, we're going to use. And then that's, and then you follow through and you, everybody has access to that. Right. Yes. Because it's that's that, the issue. Right? It's access Nobody to it. It's inequitable access. And I think that's the thing that was driven home to me when I was in the States is, is that right? Like everyone's yeah. like rapids are everywhere. It's great. It's easy. It's everyone, everyone uses. It. Okay. Neat. That's not what we do here. We use PCRs, but whatever, that's fine. There's a million, you know, a billion tents to get them. It's like no big deal. Yeah. Well, that truth is actually not the case, right? The, the false narrative that everybody can have a rapid and rapids are easy to find is like, just not, it's not true. There, and even people are like, you can get them at the library. Well, guess what? The library's out and the library was closed because of a snowstorm and <laughs> their break. So like, and, and the libraries, they were, yeah, the libraries are out of them. Sure. Theoretically libraries have them, but when they're out, they're out. And so yeah. you can't find rapid tests anywhere right now. Like there are people waiting in like hours long lines to get tested for COVID right now in the United States. And this is the thing, if if testing works, right? Lots of countries use testing as a way to control their numbers and to do preventative care and to do like catching it in the moment, all that stuff, right? But if you aren't going to use one of the measures effectively, or you're going to half-ass use them, or you're not going to have access to use, then what is the point of the measure? And honestly, maybe this is the inner Republican in me. I'm like, well, then what's the point? Right? What's the point? If I don't have access to it, then why am I going to use? What? What? Why? Why are you right. pressing and me on? So, getting, and so, and so this comes back to and try to you know get there at eight a.m. to get it at Walgreens, which yep, you know, many of us are willing to do. That. Yes, I think like for um, this comes back to our essential question, right? 
okay, so school is important. We as a society are saying that we want kids in a school building. Okay, agreed. I want kids in a school building. I want to teach in a school building. There are things that we know work when done effectively. Why are we not doing those things? Like, great, I agree with you. Student athletes should have to take a rapid test before they go and play in a game. Awesome. If we don't have enough rapid tests, we shouldn't be allocating the only ones we have to prioritize student athletes playing in games. We should cancel the games and allocate those rapid tests to making sure that kids can come to school. Do you know what I mean? Like, man, the left is always trying to cancel everybody. Come on, Megan. I'm the worst. Or give us more rapid tests. Yeah. Like, or just that. Right. Like, or just give us more rapid tests or like, and it's one, it's those things that are frustrating because we know what works and we're just not doing them. Yeah. Yeah. What else? So uh, aside from testing hope, what do you, what else would you like to see schools implementing or doing that they're not? I think one of the things you had, you know, I've mentioned in other conversations is just like, where is the backup plans and where are the plans being communicated and then the prep plans. And I understand schools are like both very slow beasts that are hard to turn at the same time. Again, we've been doing this for how many months, how many years at this point, right? Like on year two. So what is the backup plan or what is the next step plan, right? If Adams is like, oh, we have it, you know, it was so bad for low-income kids and he's done nothing to try to like bake that better for them. If districts don't have these backup plans where they could, you know, like who's your next person to sub? Okay, great. But like, what do you, what is the threat? I guess I'm thinking about the the thresholds, right? I remember last year, like around this time in the spring, there was a lot of conversation of if the COVID outcome get, you know, hits this threshold, yes. we'll close or, and I, I shouldn't say close. Cause even again, I hate that. Right. We're going to move to remote learning, which yep. is not closing. It's closing a building, but a school is not a building. Learning isn't about the building yes. or so, hybrid go hybrid. Right. Or there's, there are other solutions and some <clears> of them <throat> didn't work that great but did we not learn anything? And so, and even when they didn't work that great, did they work better than this shit show now? And that is what kind of, let's settle. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like is having half of your students gone and the other half trying to decide whether they got COVID today or not and not having a planning period and not, it's not like you can't just teach the curriculum for that day of half your class is gone. Your lesson plans are out the window. (laughs) Your lessons don't work. Folks, you're not like, moving through curriculum. It's yeah. not like I'm moving through curriculum and then I'm going to give these kids a packet later. They can watch a video. That's not how teaching. And if you're doing that for your teaching, that's bad teaching anyway, which is what yes. we said we don't yes. want in the first place. Right. Yeah. So once again, that's not the good education. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that's, what's the most infuriating to me is that it feels that districts don't have plan B's or plan C's or, you know, plan D's. Like if this many, if this many teachers are out, this is what we're going to do. You know, if this many students are out, this is what we're going to do. There's, there is, and I think sure at the beginning of the pandemic, that was understandable, but we're two years in, like you keep saying, like, how do you not have plans in place? How I, I just, in the same way that you have earthquake drills, right? Yeah. In the same way that you have, I think about some of these systems that have come up because of crisis and because of issues, right? You have earthquake drills, we have 
shooter drills. I mean, those are depressing, but we do, right? We Schools have adapted to having these things. And so you should have an emergency plan when you have a when you have a disease because that's just rampant in your schools that's yeah. just leadership yeah, yeah. right like yeah. it that is what is required of leaders is to come up with backup plans and i think that that's what's frustrating is that like there isn't any right now and if there are they're not being communicated and what good is yeah. a backup plan if it's not communicated it's as if yeah. it doesn't exist folks like so yeah. I, I just i think we have to recognize, and I, I also want to be clear that the you say the active shooter drills and all of that, like when there are less adults on campus, recognize that that school community is significantly mm-hmm. less safe. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it is not just about ratios of of teacher to students to make sure that like classroom management is happening Good and point, like yeah. that. Like yeah. no, like it is an it is a less safe environment for children. And so I think that that also needs to be realized is what are we doing when schools are becoming less safe and reach a threshold of um, a lack of safety due to lack of adults on campus where we need to move to remote, where we need to move to hybrid, Yeah. right? Like, yeah, I want to quote Kale Iverson, um, fan of the show. Uh, And he, he said it really well, right? He's like, what grinds my gears is that the entire in-person, no matter what, um, that mentality. So when half your staff is out and half the kids aren't coming, what is the quality threshold? And that's what we've been hitting at numerous times, but I just want to emphasize again, what is a quality good day of classes look like for a kid? Um, Can you have two great days a week? right? What does two great days a week look like? And then maybe you have a secondary choice. Teachers covering classes all day, um, every day, four classes in the gym, every period, lesson plans are blown. Um, It's not even a COVID concern at this point. It's like, what the F are we doing here really is the concern. Um, There are other options, right? And so kind of going back to what are some of those solutions? I think for, for us here in the UAE, like we haven't started, we start school this week and the main, at my school, and the main reason, some schools started last week, I'll back that up. But the main reason um, we're starting later is like our, our calendar and because of travel, um, people have traveled and whatnot. It's a very mobile country, like lots of people, transient, I should say, people kind of come in and out. But the government made the call over the break and said, everybody is going to remote learning when they come back. And, and that was it. And they, they definitely made the call late. Like it wasn't like people had time to plan necessarily. So it was like into the break and we're all like, or the, like, it was like the week before break went out. And some schools had already gone on break where they're like, by the way, y'all bet you're going to be on remote when you get back. And people were like, sure, what? And so the thing about that though, is because the rise was starting, right? The creep was starting. And part of the reason they knew the creep was starting is because they have rigid regimented testing protocols here. Right. And so because of all of that, they had that information. So they made the call and then they forced the school. I mean, you have to do it. Right. And this is when I think, you know, it's important to, yeah, you follow those rules that are forced upon you. Um, And so schools, they said two weeks of mandatory or online learning. And so a lot of schools are headed into their second week. We're going to have one week. And the question is, is it going to go longer? Right. Have the numbers gotten better? Have people made it through, you know, their, their winter sickness and their, you know, whatever getting COVID. And so, I mean, that is one solution. I know there are other districts in the U S that have gone remote and said, this is what, this is the best because we can offer that quality of education we can offer in an online setting, even though it's not ideal, is still better than what they're getting in in person. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear, like, I don't believe that we need to or should go remote 
for the remainder of the school year or even months on end. Like, I believe that there is value yeah. in... Yeah. In, in recognizing the science, using what we have learned about the surges from this pandemic, recognizing that we just went through a holiday season, meaning that we're going to have a month of a surge, go yep. remote for two to yep. three weeks, yep. and then come back and and not necessarily make it so that like nobody gets COVID, but you... Yeah. Like whatever happened to that, flatten the curve, flatten the curve, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Where's all of that? That's like no <clears throat> threshold conversation. Threshold. Right? Like I've not heard anybody no say that so long. None <laughs> of that messaging, right? Like we can stave off a surge yeah, and like take the pressure off of hospitals and schools if you go remote for a couple of weeks where you go remote during the post-holiday surge, you recognize that. And then you can come back and the quality yep. of education when you come back to in-person is significantly better because it's not everybody getting sick at once. Yep. And it's safer yep. because it's not everybody getting yep. sick at once. Yep. And yep. also like, I think that we haven't talked about the the pressure or the, um, the impact on hospitals and medical mm -hmm. staff is astronomical right now. Washington is experienced the highest hospitalization in this entire pandemic right now. And something that I heard um, my principal say, he was saying a story of, of this account of somebody of, you know, their husband is a nurse and the, um, how challenging their job is right now and not because of how exhausting COVID is, which it is, right? Like our healthcare professionals have been like doing the work this entire time, it's the patients that they are having in the hospitals, right? So sure, you're only hospitalized if you're not vaccinated, but that means that hospital staff are dealing with all of the unvaccinated yeah. people yeah. who are hostile towards medical professionals yeah. right now because yeah. of the um, propaganda and narratives that yeah. are being pushed. Yeah. And so um, keeping that in mind, like hospital staff are dealing with very sick people who don't trust their nurses and doctors and are demanding ivermectin and are aggressive and combative. And, yeah. and so like the fatigue of that, of like having overflowing hospitals with people, predominant patients that are like, at like, you know, skeptical at best, combative yeah. at worst yeah. is it's hard. And so how can we manage, how can we as a community help that, you know, flatten the curve folks? Like mm -hmm. you, there are things to do where it's like going to like remote doesn't mean forever. It just might mean for like yeah. a week or two. Yeah. It reminded me, um, as you were talking, I was thinking about another example I saw because you're talking about solutions or what people are doing, creative ways of approaching this, right? Um, Rodemacher, a lot of you know um, from Twitter, he teaches out in Minnesota. And what his middle school is doing is they're doing kind of a combination. So they're doing kind of what they're calling is asynchronous, which means like not in the same time frame, but they're, their campus is open. So some kids that have, um, you know, are, are fine or healthy are able to come in, work on projects and then kids that are have to stay at home and have to quarantine for whatever the reasons are whether it's illness or family or whatever is going on they're able to access those same lessons but they're calling it asynchronous so it's not like the pressure of the teacher having to teach the same class at the same time and they're yeah. doing like a project-based thing for kids right you know to try to help them yeah. you know things that are engaging help them learn help them have their like self-directed mm -hmm. and so is it perfect no are there things that probably came up and that are coming up as they're going into that 
Sure. But it is another solution. It's another possibility. And the fact that the school is reimagining that, that's better for staff. It's better for kids. Um, You know, with fewer numbers in the classroom, then the staff can, even if staff is out, right, you're able to like mitigate that a bit easier as well. So um, is there any final thing you want to say before we shift to the end? I was just about to say the same thing. Like now that we've talked about like (laughs) all this, all these really heavy things. I think we need to end on thinking about, well, we'll give you some homework y'all, but also uh, let's talk a little bit about the CDC. So the CDC, you know, five day and all the like bad journalists out there, or I should say journalists who were just quick at getting clickbait, didn't like finish the headline around, you know, the rest of the research that you know, symptoms and asymptomatic are actually important when it comes to this whole thing. Uh, there were some really fantastic memes. So do you have any favorites? I know one that I was dying over when I first saw was the CDC says, go ahead and get those bangs. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, pretty good. I know like we have kind of a list of, of these CDC memes. I think the CDC says, if you get bitten by a zombie, you should hide it from the rest of your crew um, is a really good um, piece of advice. <laughs> the CDC says you can buy, an, sorry, the CDC says you can buy another book you won't read. <laughs> I, have a, I have a stack of like 11 books right now that oh, I haven't read. Easy. The CDC now recommends ignoring the red flags and texting him anyway. <laughs> uh, the CDC is, that's okay. It's fine. Good Christian girls can wear spaghetti strap tank tops and still <laughs> get into heaven. And as a kid who went to a uh, Christian college, that speaks to me very much. Um, the CDC is now recommending the Carnival Cruise Buffet. <laughs> Then last but not least, actually, this one came out early and I died. It's a little crass, friends. The CDC says you can now wipe back to front. There you have it. There you have it. The greatest one to end on. (laughs) (laughs) There was actually another one that I was like dying that it was a teacher one and I I could not find it when I was putting our notes together and I had like put it on Instagram and then I couldn't find it. So final segment, Megan. Yeah. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. Okay. What can people do in the midst of all of this crap? (laughs) Um, Honestly, I think if you haven't watched the Netflix movie, Don't Look Up, um mm, mm, mm. it's um too soon it's, it's too, too painful soon. um so if you are you know quarantined if you're stuck at home for any amount of time it is like satire it's very good i it left like a, a pit in my stomach from how real it felt when it wasn't supposed it shouldn't have felt real essentially this it's is- about this is why I don't think it's satire because I'm like, it's more like a documentary. I know yeah, they intended it to be satire, but I'm like, satire is supposed to exaggerate more. And this is not It's just too real. Um, it's just a cram-packed cast um, of actors. It's really, it's a very, very good movie that leaves you feeling just ugh, a little uneasy. Um, and so the parallels between the how the world is reacting or how the country is reacting to the pandemic um and then also global warming i think like that is also really like the focus was meant to be the focus of it is like how the country is reacting to global warming and then the pandemic is just like this whole other beast but basically how people don't trust scientists so (laughs) um go watch it it's really really good 
I read an article that was like, the science in this movie is inaccurate. I'm like, you guys missed the point. You missed the point. Actually, yeah, now. like truly, thank you for like, highlighting the point of this film. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I think one of the things, I mean, it's so corny, but I did write down like, buy some rapid tests or like pick up some extra rapid tests and drop them off to your teacher friends. Um, if you don't have any teacher friends, message us. And we'll get you some yeah, teacher we'll get friends. You some like, names. I know folks who are mailing tests from other parts of the world to the United States. And so it's just one of those things, but it can help alleviate people's, um, you know, mental stress, the stress of like trying to get to Walgreens at 8am. Like I said, um, you know, driving to a red part of the country and picking them up at Walmart, like whatever the case may be. Right. So help your friends out providing those things. I think the, you know, the masks that we're looking at now, like helping, if you have some extra ones, sharing those resources and especially with people in education, um, who are, who are sadly not being provided, um, those resources to do their yeah. job. Um, the other thing I was thinking a lot about is uh, hopefully as you're walking away from this episode, you understand that like the, the need for doing something different besides what we're doing with in-person learning is, is imperative. And so one of the things that you can do is reach out to your school board members, right? You're all part of these communities. Some of you have them, you know, easy pop up on your phone, speed dial, or in your email, have conversations, talk to them and also put the pressure mm -hmm. on, right? Like there is, they respond to pressure and you can do pressure in a good way, in a respectful way, in a meaningful way. Um, and I think that's one of the things, have some pressure about being more clear about their plan. So to Megan's point earlier, if, if there's a plan that's just not being communicated, okay, great. Assume best intent, all that stuff. Fine. Then let's, let's be more public about that. You know, yeah. I think the same thing applies to like writing to your congressman or woman, um, your state legislator representative, right? Like reach out to your district representative, like reach out to folks and ask them to do something more um, critical or to make some of these harder decisions, I guess, is what I would say as well. Right. Absolutely. Let them know that you're not okay with it just being business as usual, right? Like let them know, let elected officials know that you're worried, that you're thinking about this and ask them, call them to action, right? Ask them to take action yep. in some yep. way. Um, <clears throat> you would be surprised of how few people actually do that. And yep. so how your one letter um, or email or message can make a really big impact. Also, didn't just this morning, um, the Washington State Legislature decided to do everything online for the session, the upcoming session. So, you know, because a couple a couple people had yep. got COVID. Don't so worry, suddenly everybody's online. But Don't worry, schools are different. Okay, great. Yep. Uh, thanks for a good um, conversation. I hope schools are the <laughs> safest place that children can be. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. All right. See you all later. Bye. Bye. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington. Welcome to the White Ladies. Wow, okay. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.